Good morning. As you can see from the slide, the title of today's sermon is Everyday Feminism. Some of you will be interested because of the word feminism. Some of you may be ready to tune out. Has nothing to do with me. If I had chosen everyday humanism, how many of you would be listening a little more carefully? As we're bombarded by pleas to take action, give money, show up for this rally, sign this position, it can become easier to dismiss the, the different cries of others. Oh no, another group feels disenfranchised, wants support, feels left out, is hurting. As my head spins with demands and requests, I continuously wonder, where is the greatest need? What steps are truly effective? Which ones are laying the groundwork for systemic change? Which ones are sustainable? What steps best fit our world and our needs today. Last Wednesday marked International Women's Day, and one catalyst for the day is rooted in 1908 when 15,000 women garment workers marched through New York City demanding shorter hours, better pay, and voting rights. This year was a call for a day without women a strike in situ, a strike in place. It would cost the U.S., our gross domestic product, $21 billion if all American women who work outside of the home for pay took the day off. $21 billion one day. If the work women do raising children and running households is included, the number jumps astronomically. Yet, women still make less than their male counterparts. So our administrator, Maggie Scott, the director of youth and children program, Susan Spooner and I looked at each other and laughed on Wednesday at the idea of staying home, knowing that Hope Church would close for the day without us. I understand, that's the point of the strike. To emphasize we're indispensable. But Hope Church is an example of how complex working for change can be. Because we are way ahead of the game in terms of women in power and leadership. Over the decades, Hope Church has followed the trend of other progressive religious institutions. Women can become ordained and rise to leadership, and that's still impossible in so many religious traditions. Yes, the majority of our staff are women. Last night, the volunteers running the fellowship dinner was a lovely mix of genders, heavy on the women. 
On, on an international level, our association this year has three female candidates for president. So this summer, when we vote at General Assembly, we will elect for the first time ever in the history of Unitarianism and Universalism and the two together, we will elect a woman to lead us. That's going to be very interesting. But despite these inroads into empowering women, true gender parity in our world is still a distant dream. Just as having a black man as our president didn't signal the end of racism, as some predicted. Examples of female leadership don't tell the whole story. Why should we have Women's Month and International Women's Day? Because 62 million girls are denied access to education worldwide. 62 million. We're a denomination that believes in education at all levels. One in seven girls in developing countries, bracket out China, will be married before the age of 15. When I think of who I was at 15, 20% of women still do not have access, this is around the world, to family planning resources. We're trying to bump up that figure here in our own country. It's appalling. One of three, wait, before I give you this statistic, I want you to look around at every woman here. Because one in three of us will be beaten or sexually abused in our lifetime. We can count off by three. And women are still earning 23% less than their male counterparts. Alas, this includes Hope Church. So I've cited statistics for the world and our country, but ugh. Our state and our city cast the same dark shadow of gender-based inequality. Our state ranks 45th in the gender wage gap. Women earn 73 cents on the dollar, which is less than the national average. And our average marriage age doesn't match the world except if you consider our teenage pregnancy rate as the same de facto burden. Oklahoma has the highest rate of teenage pregnancies of any state. I know it's not new news, but when we think about those far-off countries marrying off young girls, we're doing that essentially really. Of working age women, we rank near the bottom of women who have incomes below poverty line. So if you've managed to work, you're still in the poverty level. 
But the statistics, which I always quote here, it continues to summarize our local disrespect for the value and equality of women, is the fact that we lead the world, the world, in incarcerating women. How can that be? Women are not more criminal than men. The exact opposite is true. According to countless studies, there is something or many things about women in our state and our city deemed threatening. And it's all these intersecting social systems are combining to disempower and destroy girls and women in our state and in our own city. What I'm asking for today is we always consider the lens of feminism when we consider our collective work as a church. We are wise to consistently ask for how gender is lurking in all the new state bills. Who's most impacted by our state response to health insurance? The dance they're doing in Oklahoma City about health care, about teacher pay. What's the gender of the majority of our teachers? The anti-abortion bills? Who's impacted by those? Lurking in all these bills in our state's moral document of a budget, our immoral document of a budget, is gender inequality. How is the suppression of girls and women playing a role in poverty, in education, in economics, and in politics? We... We are educating men and women of all ages here at Hope Church. How are we still embodying sexual disparity? Down in our RE department, ways that we don't see, can't see, the majority of our teachers there are women. So let's return to humanism and feminism. I bring us back because many ask, Why not call yourself a humanist rather than a feminist? Why have a little girl in bronze defiantly facing the bull of Wall Street? A lot of people say that of course they believe in equality for women, but they oppose feminism. Or they say they're not a feminist, they're a humanist. So why should humanists and egalitarians also be feminists? Why isn't being a feminist superfluous to egalitarianism, humanism, or even worse, somehow anti-humanist? Let's start at the top. There's nothing, nothing mutually exclusive about being both a humanist and a feminist. They're not about the same thing. It's not enough you have to choose between being in favor of the full equality and empowerment of all humans by being a humanist, or favor the full equality and empowerment of women 
only by being a feminist. Rather, the only feminism worth supporting is the kind that is about full equality and empowerment of all humans. And the only kind of humanism worth supporting is the kind that has as a subcomponent the full equality and empowerment of women. Hopefully, I'm stating the obvious, and this isn't controversial. <coughs> but if both humanism and feminism are both just about full equality and empowerment of humans generally, and of women in specific, but not to the exclusion of men, then why the two words? Why? Why do we do that? There are two words. There are two words. Not ideally so that feminism will represent an ideal. It's not about female supremacy in contrast to humanists. That's not a feminism worth supporting. The reason for a distinguishable feminism is that egalitarianism and humanism and other secular ethical systems, in the past, women were significantly left out. People didn't automatically understand that humanism meant all humans. They were capable of saying all men are created equal and calling that egalitarianism. While all men, all men, was defined to exclude women and blacks, non-land-owning white men. Being explicit about supporting feminism or actually identifying as a feminist, it's not a gender determination. Men are feminists. Is first and foremost a matter of acknowledging that women's equality and empowerment has been, can be neglected. Different groups live under different expectations in our society. They are unjustly inhibited from reaching their full potential in very distinct ways. They're denied equality in very distinct areas. They have different kinds of bodies and experiences and desires and needs. They face distinct kinds of choices, threats, conflict. They have a particular relationship to economics or religion, family. I was reminded of this last Saturday in our poverty <coughs> simulation. Once given a different role, we all took on different roles, some of us different genders, different ages, and poof, each of us acted differently out of these new set of strange circumstances. It was weird. It was distinctly human. Women's experiences and needs and relationships are quite often different than men's. Black peoples are different than whites. Gay people, different than straight. Transgender, different than cisgendered. Bi, different than gays or straights.
So everyone can be pro-fixing houses. We want our houses to all be fixed. And... But you still need plumbers to fix pipes and electricians to fix electrical wiring, roofers to fix the roof. And we need feminists to focus on issues that specifically impact women. We need an LGBTQ movement to concentrate on the issues around sexual orientation and gender. And we need anti-racists to remind us always about racism, to tackle it. And we need people of all ages to mention how different your stage in life matters. What the young need is different from what our elderly need. Sexism, homophobia, transphobia, racism, classism, ableism, all the many forms of bigotry and passively allowed inequalities simply exist. They don't go away by not paying any specific attention to them, but instead declaring oneself vaguely humanist or egalitarian. I think we need to care about these issues. We're all responsible to treat our human, fellow humans equally and in ways that are empowering to us all. That means we have to learn. That means we need to spend some time learning about the unique ways that each particular group either suffers explicit discrimination or is implicitly treated unequally and disempowered when few realize what's actually going on. To do what we need to be vigilant, looking for ways that people are unjustly discriminated against, Against. We need to be conscious, 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 listening, listening, listening. Not dismissive, oh, that's whining. What do they know? That's not what I see. We have to overcome our old habits, and they die slowly. If we want full equality and empowerment of all people. We need to pay attention to all people equally. And our tendency is to pay attention to dominant groups rather than marginalized ones. We tend to be dismissive if you're a minority or you're trying to get our attention and say, wait, 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 black lives matter. That does not mean all lives don't matter. It means we have a history of not valuing black lives along history. So we have to pay special attention and feminism has to be part of that work. Historically it's been a movement about highlighting the specific needs of women and making humanism more humanistic, and egalitarianism more egalitarian. 
And that's why humanism and egalitarianism need feminism. Everyday feminism. It's a lens we have to use for everything we do. May it be so. We give away our plate every Sunday. Meals on Wheels this month. Give generously. <laughs>